Hello everyone and welcome back to Topical Reflections on Music. In this uh, second part of, uh, of my presentation of my article on Egyptian trumpets, I will focus on uh, my uh, uh, theory about uh, the, the built and performance practices. As uh, ancient trumpets were natural instruments, the performer would only have a few pitches from the overtone series at their disposal, available by means of overblowing the pipe. The mouth pressure that would be necessary to correctly approach any note other than the lowest one further suggests that detachable mouthpieces with or without reeds made of degradable materials were used. Most of contemporary mouthpieces are detachable, and though commercial reeds from organic and synthetic materials are widely available and accessible today, many reed instrument performers across the world prefer to make their own reeds from various materials, ranging from cane to bamboo, thus ensuring that the timbre and sound quality correspond to their musical requirements and physical convenience. As we can see, ancient Egyptian trumpets provide a very probable parallel with the trumpets depicted in the Kazanlak tomb. Montagu goes a step further in his description and speculates about possible instrumental limitations. I disagree with him with respect to his performance-related hypothesis that, quote, as one would expect with a ceremonial instrument capable of producing only one or two notes, appearance was more important than acoustical perfection, end quote. He, just as many non-musicians, presumes that detachable mouthpieces did not exist, whereas they might have, and refers to limited attempts by other researchers to simply blow into the instrument, attempts that obtained only three notes, in total, among which only the middle one was reliable and the upper one too difficult. In support of my argument, in the 2011 BBC4 Ghost Music program, we hear more than three clear, stable notes. It is noted to specify that for this experiment, as mentioned in the program, the performer did obtain reliable notes by using a detachable mouthpiece. It is also difficult to believe that rich aristocrats, including pharaohs, would spend a lot of wealth ordering an expensive and exquisite musical instrument that would not be able to play at least as well as any other existing instrument made by a local shepherd from a found piece of wood. It is much more likely that the instruments exemplified state-of-the-art craftsmanship both in appearance and acoustical properties. Based on the comparison with such a multifaceted parallel, we can hypothesize what the Thracian trumpets might have sounded like by listening to the recorded sound of the original Egyptian trumpets on BBC Online. While the instruments may not have reached down to an overtone series fundamental, 
Listening to the minor third on the BBC recording, I deduce that the Thracian trumpets would likely have played maybe five or even six lower notes of the Obertone series, excluding the fundamental. In my example below, I use the BBC recording of Tutankhamun's trumpets as a reference of what might have been musically available for natural trumpets of this size. Musicians deduce the Obertone series based on the given notes as certain intervals occur only at certain places in the series. Tutankhamun's bronze or copper trumpet has a fundamental note around F, an octave and a half below middle C, whereas the silver trumpet seems to have a fundamental note around H, a semitone below a C of the um, middle C, the first octave C. We can see that depending on the material with which the instruments are made, the actual pitch would vary widely. We can see from the fresco that the Thracian burial rite included instrumental music, at least in some cases and contexts. Primary sources on the topic are preciously few, and though instruments are shown on various vessels, few written indications about the role of music remain. In her book Thracian Secret Societies, Valeria Fall exhausts the primary sources on the topic, mostly concerning vocal chanting and intoning. For detailed information on the philosophical and ritual place of music in Thracian culture, as well as about the epode, uh, you can see the chapter Music Remembrance, Recollection and Sacred Buildings in Valeria Fall's book uh, Thracian Secret Societies. Um, and uh, cited literature, of course, and reminds that music was the principal language of the rites through which cultural memory preserved the notions about the world, about deities, humans, society, about man-society-nature relations, and even about the healing practices of the Thracians. The simultaneous presence of vocalists and natural trumpet players in a Thracian rite and or Thracian funeral feast strengthens my hypothesis that the Thracian mode was likely based on just intonation intervals, as I have already published in another article in 2009. Uh, quote, in spite of the specific evidence by Plato, Strabo and Aeschylus on Thracian music, the Thracian tonality has been attested only once in the conventional form Thrakisti in the Thracian way manner in Theocritus. This is a quote from Valeria Fall's 2020 book. My hypothesis is in line with my 2009 conclusion that, quote, with their temples, herons, and tombs, the Thracians represent not only their knowledge of celestial movements but also leave indications to their music theory system. As a non-literary culture, the Thracians could not describe in writing their musical tradition, but I suspect they have left sufficient indications in their architectural monuments for us to reconstruct at least parts of it." End quote. 
I would go as far as to speculate that the tuning of the trumpets would be adjusted by means of detachable mouthpieces, among other ways, to the particular tune's resonating fundamental pitch, to be able to collaborate with a liturgically invested singer, singers, priests and priestesses, and or to announce by means of overtone series calls the signature musical resonant pitches to crowds. The uninitiated persons outside the ritual space would thus hear an echo, a reflection, a glimpse of what the initiated would hear inside the restricted ritual space. Though no acoustics research has been conducted with instruments yet, experiments with a male voice, uh, for more about the experiments with male voice, you can see the chapter The Journey to the World Beyond Architecture and Music uh, in Valeria Faust's book, uh, so the experiments with male voice found that uh, characteristic acoustics has been sought and found through the architecture of the sacral constructions Gulama Arsenalka, Griffoni, and the Hereon of Celtes III in the Gulama Kosmatka Tumulus, in the Kazan Laktom in the original only, and in the Mezek tomb. Uh, quote, it is important to emphasize that there is no musically facilitating acoustics in the chamber of the copy of the Kazanlak tomb, although all dimensions are repeated. This suggests that the stucco on which the frescoes are painted plays an important role in the reverberations, uh, continuous reflection of sound waves in the space. This is a um, quote from um, an article that I wrote with my mother in 2018. Would certain instrumental music have been played while nothing was sung? Future research with instruments needs to be conducted and to cover a wide array of indoor and outdoor Thracian sites. The fresco proves that wind instruments, specifically trumpets, were employed during the Thracian burial and mysterious ritualism and supplements the available data regarding usage of music during rites. The participation of women indicates that women have their place in the funeral rites of the Thracians. The depiction of female performers also underlines the specificity of a Thracian performance practice that allows the employing of female musicians in official functions in general. This is rare, but not unheard of in the ancient world. For example, in Delos, the Auletrides, these are the female Aulus players, um, are recruited annually for ritual purposes. The fresco in the Kazanlek tomb depicting two female trumpeters in a Thracian ritual function um, provides a wealth of research avenues for future interdisciplinary research between historians, archaeologists, archaeoacousticians, and performers. The insider knowledge of initiated few can sometimes be approached by remembering very simple realities. Wood rots. Metal oxidizes. And thousands of years ago, unrelated people from across the world blew into a pipe and were seduced into exploring the natural beauty of sound. So uh, this was it. Thank you very much for uh, being with me today. 
And I hope that we meet again soon for another episode that I would do either solo or with a colleague. I hope to present to you interesting colleagues soon. It is always more fun when there is two of us. Uh, everyone be well and have a nice day. Bye-bye.